Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a long-awaited episode of Just One More Thing. In today's episode, we are covering the past three weeks. We are covering May 7th. That sermon is called Undeserved. We're covering May 14th, The Home Dance, and we're covering May 21st, Loving Life. The reason we have to catch up is because I wasn't here for two Sundays, and so because I didn't get a chance to listen to the May 7th message, can you explain real quick the title? As the passage unfolds, you find out that the suffering, the readers are experiencing is completely undeserved. They, they haven't done anything to deserve that type of treatment. And Christ's suffering is uh, given as an example for them to look to, and his suffering was undeserved. And the passage kind of turns at the end, uh, chapter 2 and verse 25, in that the grace that we receive is undeserved. So that's why I called it Undeserved. That was the common thread through all of that. For the previous two Sundays that I missed, was there anything, any just one more thing, little tidbits that you wanted to note that you didn't quite get to put in in the sermon? Yeah, in the um, Undeserved sermon of May 7th, uh, there was a line in there uh, that says that Christ suffered as an example to us. And a lot of people build their theology over that. They see Christ as just an example, that Jesus' death is just an example to us. And, and they get all excited and, uh, about that aspect of his suffering, and they miss the point that before he can be your example, he needs to be your Savior. And so a lot of theologies are built around this. Uh, you take liberation theology uh, to where they look at Christ's suffering as an example of overcoming the people who are suppressing him, who are inflicting suffering on him. And so they merely see Christ as an example. And while we don't deny he's an example, we have to first accept him as our Savior. We need more than an example. We need a Savior. And if you get that order correct, if you understand him as a Savior— then you can follow him as an example. So that's just the one more thing that I think uh, I would have liked to have put in the message. Anything from last week, the home dance? Yeah, the home dance, the structure of the passage is what I found very interesting because uh, he spent the majority of his time addressing the person who uh, would not be the main character in the home. In other words, when you typically would address someone, the head of home, you know, they, they have the most prominence. So you would address them and you would give them honor by doing so. What Peter does is he addresses the person, and uh, the wife in this case, and he gives her the uh, most time, but he only tells her one thing to do. Meanwhile, the husband, who's the head of the house, and his uh, rule reigned, as it were, in that household. Uh, if he served a different god or something like that, 
then uh, what he said was law, essentially. But he spends uh, less time addressing him, but he gives him two things to do, uh, to caring for his wife. And so I thought that was interesting, the structure of it, of it all, because it undermines the system that was set up there. That's lost on us, I think, to a large degree, because we read that and we don't understand the the context that that writing was in. Uh, theologians use a term, I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, and I haven't mentioned it in a sermon, but um, it's called Sitzenleben. It's a German term, and it means the life situation that these writings occurred in, the context of these writings. And so when you look at the context of Peter's address to wives and to husbands, uh, I think he's doing some pretty subversive things in understanding that both the husband and the wife are to be uh, submitting to God and following God and trying to create a household that honors him. So I talked about how each couple individually has to learn to dance, and how that works out is going to be different in each couple's life. Yeah, then moving on to the May 21st sermon, we're going from the home dance, how we interact with people, to just in general how we ourselves live life. You called it loving life. Where did you get that title from? Well, uh, Peter quotes Psalm 34, and in that quote, he says uh, from Psalm 34, whoever would love life, so I got it right out of the text, uh, would do these things. Uh, because a lot of people live their lives, and, and they're doing nothing more than marking time. And my video clip, I thought, was fantastic. I, I suggest everyone look at Hook, because Robin Williams was involved in uh, truly busy things, but he was letting the most important things pass him by. Um, he had the accolades of work and status, and uh, he had to make speeches. He was in an important person in people's eyes, and yet the most important things in his life were getting the leftovers. And it was through that transformation, through seeing what he could have lost, that he ended up loving life. And at the end of the movie when he says, uh, to live will be a great adventure, because uh, that, I think, is what Peter's saying here, is that we embrace life and we do so from a, an aspect of humility, from an aspect of compassion. And we do so from the aspect of being a word blesser, is the way uh, I think I put it in the sermon, that we come into arenas and we are the ones that are blessing people. We are dropping words of hope, words of encouragement to others. Peter says, this is what you were called for. And when we bless others, when we offer a word of encouragement, it adds to our bank account. And so um, when you start looking at life this way, you just start loving it. You see how much potential life has for you to enjoy and to embrace. And so it comes right out of the psalm, but that's why I said, don't just live life. Love it. Love it and embrace it. And uh, Embrace it for all it's worth. 
You know, I have a, a pastor that I sat under for a couple of years, uh, Wayne Barber in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and he was unlike any pastor I'd ever had before because you just could tell he loved life. He was fun. He was uh, natural. I spent some time with him outside of the church setting, and he just loved life. And that comes from a position of being grateful for how good God had been to him. And so um, why not? You've only got one life. Why not love the life you've got? So that's where that's coming from. Yeah, and he came to give us life and to give life abundantly. Abundantly, that's exactly right. And when you are that person who in your work environment has the encouraging word, you're affecting other people as well in a positive manner. I know you talked about what would your life or live your life in such a way that if you were out of work for a week, that people would miss that environment that you've created by being there. So I thought that was a very powerful illustration, very applicable. Yeah, and it, you know, I said it's it's hard to do. This is this is hard to do to be on to see yourself in that light. But I said something in the message. I said just choose your hard. Choose what the hard is going to be, and when you see the upside of living this way, yeah, while it might be difficult, it might be strange it might be hard especially when people are insulting you when they accuse you of wrongdoing when you haven't done yeah that's hard but choosing to love life and live that way the upsides are huge and so uh (laughs) there are no downsides to that um but you can go off in a corner and you can hide and you can you can try to play it safe and uh, just try to get through the day with no one bothering you but at the end of the day, you haven't put any numbers on the board, on the scoreboard. And God says you put numbers on the board here in in this realm with your words of blessings, but you also inherit a blessing by doing so. So you put numbers on the board in eternity as well. I'm reading through Daniel right now in my chronological reading, and there's a few times where it, the angel Gabriel is talking to Daniel and he says, because you have humbled yourself and you seek the Lord, your prayers have been heard. And ever since you started to do this, your prayers have gone, you know, we've heard them. And that's why I'm here explaining all of this to you. Yeah. I think Peter would uh, say, just like Daniel had to live in a situation that was uh, antithetical to his beliefs, the readers of the first letter of Peter would have been in that same situation. Maybe not as high profile, but they would be in that same situation. And today, we find ourselves in an environment that is uh, in so many ways antithetical to the values and the, uh, the, the understanding of a biblical worldview. Yeah, but we remember that we should live such good lives that though they curse you, they will honor your father on the day that he visits us. Um, Well, thank you for breaking that down and explaining the past three weeks. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.